Life Real Crime is a true crime podcast brought to you by Woody Overton and executive producer Toby Templey. sexual nature it should be for people that are 18 years or older heed my warning people i do not get the facts of these cases off the internet or from some television show the facts we're retelling you were presented to us by the victims of the crimes or the perpetrators who committed the crimes against the victims my description of the crime scenes are what i saw with my own two eyes If you're going to get offended, please turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Woody Overton. And today, I'm going to be finally concluding the series titled Monsters. And this will be Monsters Part 9. And I don't care how long it goes, I'm going to finish it today. Usually I start and I'll end wherever, but this has gone on long enough. And today is going to be different, y'all. It's not so much about storytelling. You know, I don't like to use notes and I'm raw and unscripted and all that. But I want to tell you, first of all, stay tuned at the end of today's show for some notes and all that good stuff. All right. But I wanted to tell this story. Naturally, it's one of the worst cases I've ever worked. Pretty dramatic, and I think that's been proven by y'all's interest in the series. But, of course, my family, the family, my heart goes out to them, and I'm not going to release the names uh, to the general public, although it is a matter of public record. Everything I said, not everything I said, that I told y'all on, on the inside is public record, but... You know, this is public record, and and but I don't want that family to have to suffer, or I don't want people approaching them in the grocery store and stuff like that. And I know you would do it with the best of intentions, but they've suffered enough, man. Just, I mean, I can't imagine what they've been through, and and it's been all these years later, what, 14, 15 years later, something like that. But I'm sure it doesn't lessen the pain on the family, especially the daughter of the victim who was at the time the wife of the killer, the one who shot her in the head, and the mother of the the other, I'm going to call her lady, the other female that was present at the time. So I'm going to have to read a lot, y'all, today because the reason I'm just because it's a lot of stuff, a lot of legal stuff. So bear with me. And at the very end, you're going to understand why I did the story. Cause I got so pissed off when I found out about it. So let me back up last week. I read to y'all about him and he took the, the, the plea deal to take the death penalty off the table and all that. So he's gone. Bye-bye. He's going to die in Angola It's a death sentence no matter what. He can't parole. He can't even go up for parole or appeal or anything like that. So, fuck him. He's right where he needs to be. And now let's go to her. By her, I mean the 
suspect I told you we arrested and she confessed and, and, you know, not only to us, but to her husband and then partial confession to her mom and her sister and, and all that. So let's go, let's go back to her. Now I left November 1, 2007, what, that's May, June, July, August, September, October, November. Six months after, basically after we arrested her and got her to talk and all that stuff. So I go to the state police at headquarters in Baton Rouge, and I was attached to the, officially attached to the internal, internal affairs division. And we had a, a, a secretary, or she was like the, the head secretary. She kind of ran the office, and she knew this female from before and she would ask me i mean she's such a sweet lady and she would ask me all the time about the case and in the beginning i was still getting subpoenas and stuff until he pled out and i think it was in like 2009 but i didn't she kept asking me about her because she knew the females the guilty female before time you know and she kept asking me from time to time when we'd be bsing and she, she would say hey what about her and I'm like, you know, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I have, I've never got a subpoena on her. I don't know. And honestly, y'all, I didn't have time to keep up with it. I mean, I'm a, at, at, at state police as a criminal investigator and doing what I do. And, you know, time marches on, right? But I just knew we had this airtight case and confession. Even though she didn't confess to the killing, she confessed to being there. She confessed to having a sexual relationship with him, to us anyway. And, she, I mean, she confessed to lying about it and, and everything. Of course, she didn't say that she was the killer, but she was there. And she, you know, she didn't she didn't come forward. And in no time did she call after they left the residence that day and, and even after the gunshot or, I mean, she was home by herself for hours and hours and hours. No time did she call 911 or she could have even called anonymously and said, uh, I think I heard something over here. Can, you know, can you send somebody to check, check on it or whatever? No bullshit. She didn't do it because she was guilty and she knew it. And, and she could have took, took the out of I was afraid of him, anything. But she didn't do it. And and it was her grandmother, okay, who died the most violent single person death that I've ever seen ever. And she will always be a monster in my book because of that. So so anyway, time marches on, you know, and and shit I never I never Followed up, I think maybe, I don't know, in 2012 or 13, I actually, I don't know if it was Calvin that I saw or Karen Ortolano, who was who was the matron at the jail until she retired. She she dealt with the, the females on, on a daily basis. But I asked somebody at some point in time, and they told me that she, t- she took a plea deal. And I didn't ask years or anything like that. I mean whatever okay so i get it that uh, he took a plea deal to life in prison and i figures i mean she she took a pretty hefty chunk uh whatever but it didn't matter she's gone and and you know justice is what it is right and and if, if the family took the plea deal on him to avoid trial and all that well certainly i can understand them taking it on their own daughter you know she's locked up and and that's it so but recently and then by recently i mean a couple months ago i was talking to karen ortolano again now karen uh retired from the sheriff's office and you know spent her life doing corrections and she is uh, one of our dream team moderators, and she's a lifelong friend of mine, and I worked with her for all those years. But she, she's also like kind of our unofficial chief researcher. Whenever I need information on something, or I'm remembering a case, or she she'll hit me up and be like, "Hey, I want you to do this case. You know, I want you to do this case because she has the inside knowledge 
after I arrested them, she had the knowledge of how they acted in the jail and, and, and stuff like that. She also worked at LCIW, yeah, the women's prison before she came to the sheriff's office. I mean, so she knew convicts were her life or inmates were her life. But she and I were talking about, she'd been wanting me to do this case for a long time. I said, well, you know what? I don't ever know what happened to her. I said, can you look it up for me? And she loves to research. And yeah, if you're a member of her Real Life Real Crime friends, fans, and crew page, she posts on there almost every single day a different crime that she's researched. I mean, she's a master researcher. She loves genealogy and all that, but she loves to research true crime. She said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, she loves to do it. I mean, it's, it's like a, a passion for her. And she got back to me. And when she told me what happened in this case, it fucking blew my mind. And then it got me fired up. And that's the reason I did this series, Monsters. And today, at the end of it, you're going to find out why I did it. And then I'm going to tell you what I'm going to try to do to make a change. So let's just go to it. Karen and I were talking about it, and she sent me the information. I was like, holy shit, I can't believe this. And she couldn't believe it either. And so let's go back to it. I asked her, I said, you know, tell me about her time in the jail. And she said she spent most of her time, even after she got sentenced, she spent most of her time in the parish prison. And the, the, all that happens, parishes, for whatever reason, sometimes they'll keep an, a, a, DA, a Department of Correction inmate, even after they get sentenced. Sometimes they'll keep them. Uh, in the parish, and, and the, the parish certainly makes money off of it. The state pays them X amount of dollars to house these inmates. Now, the difference between a parish prisoner and a DOC inmate is you can get arrested for whatever. As long as you're sentenced to something that's under a year prison time, then you can be sent, you'll be sentenced to the parish prison, right? And you can do your time locally. If you get sentenced to anything over a year, you're sentenced to the Department of Corrections. And then the Department of Corrections classifies you, and, and if they, you know, they, they may put you in some local parish prison because they, they're overcrowding or whatever the reason may be. But she told me, Karen said, she said, she, being the bad girl, did most of her time with us. She spent some time at LCIW, which is Louisiana. Uh, corrections. It's the prison for women. It, it used to be in St. Gabriel. So she said, yeah, she, she said she was, uh, she tried to do an insanity plea from what she remembers. She tried to do an insanity plea. She said she was a cutter. She would cut herself and she said that that cutting herself relieved pain or, or what have you. And I know that that is a medical condition. I, I know people have done that. But before she took a plea, she immediately tried for an insanity defense. Now, let me read just a little bit. I guess I could just skip to the appeal. She she tried for an insanity defense, y'all, um, and saying that she was crazy, and therefore she's not responsible for the crime that she committed. Well, this is pretrial, and so what do we have to do? We have to spend the taxpayer dollars, and they send her off to wherever, to be evaluated by the shrinks and all that stuff, and they do the testing and what have you. And I'm sure she, you know, I don't have any direct knowledge, but I'm sure she did whatever uh, acted crazy as as AF. And in but ultimately, the doctors all came back and said, "Uh, uh-uh, she's not crazy." You know, I mean, certainly she has some mental issues, which we all do, right? But she definitely knew what she was doing, and she definitely is sane enough to stand trial for these charges. Well, okay, so what do you do? Now, she, she, I guess maybe to, Save time. I don't know why they did it, y'all. And and I guess the family had had enough, and they figured she's locked away, and it'd be good enough. So they offer her what has to be like the sweetheart of all sweetheart deals. And I was I wasn't really offended about about the amount of time 
because it is what it is, right? And and but what happened afterwards? So, and I'll tell you about that. But let me read to you. She 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 comes in. She's uh, the charge was second degree murder. Okay, she took a plea bargain. Now I'm gonna read you some stuff. So bear with me on on the the pages, and hopefully I won't say the name out loud. If I do, Toby, I'll say boom. All right. So, uh, in 2009, well, no, let's see. Yeah, we were arrested in, I think, May of 2007. But just, just let me read you. She, actually, she took a, the plea deal, and she got these years, okay? Then she files an appeal with the First Circuit. Now, this is the, the stupidest appeal I've ever heard, and it's so bad when I get done reading, you'll know why. But it's so bad that, that it makes, uh, what was that girl's name? Ashley Posey. Uh, she, uh, I, I don't know if y'all remember that case when she appealed and she, I mean, she's sitting around prison, got dick else to do, but she appealed late, so her appeal got turned down, right? I mean, this is on that kind of dumb level, but this is really on the attorney, not so much on the on the bad girl. But here we go. I'm gonna start with the appeal. Okay, so she's she's taken some time, she's sentenced to prison, and she files this appeal. So I'm gonna read it to you. State of Louisiana, Court of Appeal, First Circuit, number 2009, KA1374. So if y'all wanna go look it up, I don't care. I'm not saying the names there. State of Louisiana versus her. And the judgment was rendered by the Court of Appeals on December 23rd, 2009. It says, appealed from the 21st Judicial District Court in and for the Parish of Livingston, State of Louisiana, trial court number 21914, Honorable Ernest G. Drake, judge presiding. Uh, you had Scott Perilou and Charlotte Bear, the attorneys for the, the State of Louisiana, and Frank Sloan was the attorney for her. All right, so the appeal says the defendant, and it gives her name, was originally charged by grand jury indictment with one count of second-degree murder, a violation of Louisiana Revised Statute 1430.1. The defendant entered a plea of not guilty. During the pretrial stage, the defendant moved for a sanity commission. Following a sanity hearing, the trial court found the defendant competent to proceed. Pursuant to a plea agreement, the state later amended the indictment to charge the defendant with accessory after the fact to second degree murder, a violation of Louisiana Revised Statute 1425 and 1430.1. Defendant entered a plea of no contest and was sentenced to a term of five years at hard labor. The defendant now appeals. All right, real quick, y'all. No contest doesn't mean dick. No contest is a guilty plea. You can plead guilty, no contest, or not guilty. Uh, no contest s simply stops anybody from being able to come back and sue you civilly. Okay, that's it. But it, it is a guilty plea, period. It's the same thing. I don't think her mom and them are going to come back and sue her ass anyway, but anyway. So here's the here's the appeal. Here the facts of the case. Well, November 15, 2006, our victim was shot inside her residence in Livingston Parish. He later pled guilty to the homicide and the defendant admitted to aiding him by harboring him after the incident. The issues. The defense brief contains no assignment of error. Instead, defense counsel states that the brief was filed to conform with procedures outlined in State versus Benjamin. Benjamin set forth the procedure to comply with Anders versus California, Blah, 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 wherein the U.S. Supreme Court discussed how appellate counsel should proceed when, upon conscientious review of a case, counsel found the appeal wholly frivolous. In a brief to this court, the defense counsel also reviews the procedural history of the case and the plea entered by the defendant in his motion to withdraw. The counsel states that after a conscientious and thorough examination of the record, he has found no non-frivolous issues to present on appeal. 
By separate motion, he moves to withdraw as defendant's counsel for the appeal. According to the motion to withdraw, a copy of defense counsel's brief to motion to withdraw were sent to the defendant. That's her. Defense counsel also informed the defendant that she had the right to file a brief on her own behalf. However, the defendant has not filed a pro se brief with this court. The conclusion. After an independent review of the entire record in this matter, we have found that y'all hear this. After an independent review of the entire record in this matter. Now, that's all the charges we brought against her and everything and her confessions and everything else. We have found no reversible errors under Louisiana, whatever. Furthermore, we conclude there are no non-frivolous issues or trial court rulings that arguably support this appeal. Accordingly, the defendant's conviction and sentence are affirmed. Defense counsel's motion of withdrawal, which has been held in abeyance pending this disposition of this matter, is hereby granted. Conviction, and this is all capital black letters, conviction and sentence affirmed. Defense counsel motion to withdrawal granted. Okay, let me explain it to you. <laughs> he, he filed an appeal for her under Benjamin, which basically that says if if a, an attorney takes a case and they just find it so egregious on uh, that it bothers their conscience that they have to file an appeal on behalf of the person who's been convicted. This asshole files this appeal and evidently got scolded by the First Circuit. And I'm like, are you serious? And look at all the evidence in this case and, and tell me your your conscience is really offended after she confessed and she hit him out. She didn't do anything to help the victim and all of the, the horrible facts of the case. Are you fucking serious? And so her own attorney said it was like, uh, yeah, you got me. This was bullshit. And um, I, I'm withdrawing my appeal and I don't want to be her attorney anymore. And so the court, of course, they, they don't just you know, get on the attorney's ass. They actually do read the whole case, and which is everything that I told y'all. And they were like, uh-uh, she'd be guilty, right? So her own attorney pulls the appeal. And, of course, she, does, she had a right to still try to appeal. She didn't. But so here's the deal. Back to it on the plea bargain, she got five years for accessory after the fact of her grandmother. Now, that's a plea bargain, y'all. We know what happened, right? And, and certainly they could have gone much harder, but it had been some years now since the murder, and he's gone to die in Angola. And so whatever reason, I'm, I'm sure the family agreed to it. But she also got two and a half years added to that for uh, she admitted to ha having possession of cocaine, or attempted possession, okay, came, whatever, at, at the house that day. Okay, so she, I think she got seven and a half years total. Well, I mean, shit, she's been down since 2007. By the time this appeal came down, she had been down for, I don't know, over two years or whatever. So she's got five left to do. And she did like 90% of it at the parish prison. So Karen Ortolano got to see her pretty much every day. Now... That's not what pissed me off. Anyway, she had she had to stand in front of the court and and, and enter a plea of guilty. Now I want to read you some of this stuff, and this is going to be a little bit tedious, but this is how it goes. When when you take this this appeal, not appeal, uh, when you take this plea bargain, you come before the court and. You have to stand in, and they they read the charge, and and then they read the plea bargain. I'm gonna read this to you, and it's it's long and whatever, but it's important, y'all, just to the story, okay? So it says on March 19, 2009, court convened at the hour of 9 a.m. before the Honorable Ernest G. Drake Jr. District Judge Division, blah 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 blah, State of Louisiana versus her, and charge is second degree murder. It gives the case number, and it says that she. It says her name, but defendant personally appeared in open court in the matter appearing on the criminal docket this date for the purpose of, of motion. The defendant, her, was duly sworn and testified. The court questioned the defendant regarding her educational background, her employment, 
and the amended charge to accessory after the fact to second-degree murder. The court read the law and the possible penalties of the charge to the defendant. The court advised the defendant of the use of this conviction to provide an enhanced penalty in any subsequent offense. The court advised the defendant of the following rights, the right to plead not guilty, and that the burden of proof rests upon the state of Louisiana to prove each and every element of the offense for which you are charged beyond a reasonable doubt. That she had the right to be confronted by your accusers and to cross-examine them, the right to remain silent, and you are not required to testify against yourself or incriminate yourself in any way, the right to call witnesses to testify on your behalf, the right to trial by judge or jury, and the right to an appeal. The defendant stated she had been advised of her legal and constitutional rights and waived said rights. The defendant entered a plea of guilty. All right, it doesn't have no low, con- no low contende in that part. See the guilty. Oh, yeah, it does. It has guilty, no contest uh, to the charge, but she entered the plea of guilty. The defendant entered a plea of guilty to the charge. Counsel for the defendant stated that he had advised the defendant of her legal and constitutional rights and feels that the defendant understands his advice. The defendant stated she was satisfied with the representation afforded her by counsel. The court advised the defendant of her rights to file for post-conviction relief within two years. The court accepted the plea, finding that there is a factual basis for the plea and that the plea is knowingly, intelligently, and voluntarily made and is therefore accepted by the court. The defendant waived all delays for sentence. The court imposes the following sentences. Five years with the Department of Corrections, and it does not say with hard labor, y'all. Somebody was asking about hard labor. It, it, you check the box with hard labor, without hard labor. So that must have been part of the plea deal that she was going to get to stay in a parish prison. Otherwise, if she had been going to DOC full time, it would have to be with hard labor. But she got credit for time served from May the 2nd of 2007 until that day, which was a couple years. Then they do the same thing again, y'all, on, on the charge it's the same thing I just read you, the educational background, employment, blah, blah, blah the court advised him of their rights and everything else, and that she entered into, let me read you what the charge was. The defendant entered a plea of guilty. This is going to be for the cocaine. Let's see, blah, blah, to charge. That she personally appeared in open court. Oh, now she has a lawyer now, y'all. The retained counsel, it's the same thing. Everything I just read you about, and they read in the rights, and, you know, she had to enter the plea of guilty. And they gave her two and a half years with the Department of Corrections, but they did not check with hard labor uh, or without hard labors. And it was to run consecutive with the other five years, okay? And that was for the cocaine charge, y'all. All right, seven and a half years, 5-4 accessory after the fact to the, to the second degree murder of your grandmother. Two and a half years, you get half that time for having cocaine. Mm, Alright, whatever. I don't care. I mean, she's going to prison, right? That's that's not what pissed me off. You know, so in the grand scheme of things, she's going to do seven and a half years. She's going to be a convicted felon. She knows she. She was there when her grandmother was murdered. She knows what the deal was or wasn't. And like I told you, only three people actually know who did the beatings and all that. And one of them was dead. The other one's doing life in Angola, and the third is her, right? So, oh, I'm sorry. On the, on the cocaine charge, y'all, it was possession with intent to distribute cocaine schedule two. All right, so her two charges, second-degree murder, original charges were second-degree murder and Schedule Two possession with intent to distribute cocaine, and they pled them down to what I told you. So, mm, neither here nor there. I mean, you know, she's gone, and that's the way it is, right? But this is what set me off. I have never... In all my years, heard any shit like this. Now, there's nothing that can be done about this. It's it's done. It's been done. And it can never be undone. 
But on November the 24th, 2014, so almost like almost eight years after the, the, the murder of her grandmother, she gets a full pardon. A full pardon. P-A-R-D-O-N. Okay. I've heard of first-time offenders getting pardons like 894, Article 894s for DWIs and stuff like that. And and I get it. And maybe, maybe you did a burglary and later on you want your record cleared and all that. But this is you pled guilty to accessory after the fact second-degree murder and the cocaine charge. It's a crime of violence, okay? She got a full pardon, and I'm going to read this to you, and it's just absolutely shocking. State of Louisiana, Department of Public Safety and Corrections, Division of Probation and Parole, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Date, November 24th, 2014. This is a verification of first offender pardon. It gives her name and her address, her DOC number, the Department of Correction, her inmate number. To whom it may concern, it appearing to Louisiana Department of Public Safety and Corrections, Division of Probation and Parole, that she was sentenced by the Honorable Drake, judge of the 21st Judicial District Court, Parish of Livingston, State of Louisiana, under the above listed docket numbers and for the crimes of accessory second-degree murder, Schedule Two possession with intent to distribute cocaine, and is further appearing that the defendant has completed the sentence and meets all of the requirements for an automatic first offender pardon as outlined in Revised Statute 15, semicolon 572. Now, therefore, as provided by Article 1, Section 20, and Article 4, Section 5E1 of the Louisiana Constitution, this will certify the effective November 1, 2014, and it gives her name in capital letters, has discharged her sentence for the above stated offenses and that all rights of citizenship and franchise are restored in Louisiana. The right to receive, possess, or transport a firearm may not be restored unless all legal provisions referred to and whatever are met, and any questions regarding these legal provisions should be directed to your attorney. This is, this is a letter to her, y'all. The first offender pardon is also subject to Louisiana Constitution Article 1, Section 10, and does not restore a person's right to qualify as a candidate for elected public office, you know, like somebody's going to vote for her, her and Arden Wells, I guess, or take public elective office or appointment, honor, trust, or profit for a period of more than 15 years after the completion of their original sentence. Similarly, this person does not constitute a waiver of any unpaid court costs, restitution, or past probation or parole fees. Under Act 381 of the 2010 Louisiana Regular Legislative Session, any debt owed by you to the Department of Public Safety and Corrections and or Louisiana Parole Board will be filed as a claim with the Department of Revenue to offset against amounts refundable to you because of overpayment of state income taxes. Gerald W. Starks, Probation and Parole Director. Now, what the fuck? She is free, pardoned, walking around, free, free, free. Now, it doesn't mean she's not guilty. She completed her sentence, and I really find the date just striking, 11-24. I can't remember the exact date that her grandmother was brutally executed, but I think it was that same week. But that is the first time, y'all, I ever heard of the first offender pardon for, or, or I've ever seen one, especially on, on a crime of violence like that. 
And I told Karen, and I was like, she was like, can you believe this? I was like, that has to be a mistake. We have to, we have to research it. I mean, we didn't have this paper to start with. Um, but she told me she got a full pardon. I said, there's no way. There's no way. You got to find that paperwork because there's no way. Well, hell, she found the paperwork. She hired a lawyer and played the system, and she is pardoned. Doesn't mean she's not guilty. She admitted to being guilty. She pled down to accessory after the fact of the murder of her grandmother and to the cocaine charges. Did her time, but now it's not there. I mean, she's she's part. She's been fully forgiven by the state of Louisiana for the murder or the accessory after the fact to the murder of her grandmother. And I don't get that shit. Now, I'm sure when they in, in instituted this first-time offender rule, I, I, I could see it, y'all, in a lot of cases, because sometimes people make just dumbass choices, and, and they really are young, and they grow out of it. You know, the, the studies show most males grow out of their criminal behavior by age 24, and if they don't but grow out of it by... 24, then pretty much they're going to make a trustee, find trustee somewhere one day because they're, they're going to get busted sooner or later, right? They're going to keep being a criminal. But she, she was 39 years old, I think, in her late 30s when she was there and her grandmother was executed. So I don't think that when, when they wrote this, this law for first-time offenders, that it applied to people who murdered a fucking grandmother or or at least play it down to being there and all the facts that I've told you in this case and in the line and the 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 covering up and let me tell you something. I you know, I do not have any direct knowledge. I wasn't in that hallway, but I damn well can guarantee you things went different than than what she's saying. And then to add insult to injury, since I started the series had people say that she is is saying everything except for that she was guilty. She's saying that she didn't do it, she wasn't there, she made it all up. Then I've also heard that she's even blaming her mama, said it is her mama's fault for marrying a dopehead, uh, that it's her mama's fault that, that her grandmother got killed and flipping the, the script on her mama which is another reason I don't, I'm not releasing the names, but she's saying everything. Oh, she's saying that, that her blood evidence was only in, in one small area. Well, guess what? That that's the one small area that came back testing positive, but it was fresh blood, but you got to remember all the other blood was commingled. Right. But anyway, she's saying everything after she gets her pardon, after she stands up in court and says, yeah, I did this, I was there, I covered it up afterwards, etc. And now, I don't have any direct knowledge, but I've heard that she's telling people everything except for that she's guilty of even what she pled to. So it just blew my mind and it really pissed me off. And it's kind of like the Rapids burning thing. I'm like, you know what, I have this platform, I'm going to use it. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk. I have a, a, a dear friend of mine who's a state rep, and he's high up in, I mean, there's not a hierarchy of state reps, but he was almost a speaker or whatever they call it. And I'm going to go talk to him. I'm just going to sit down, and I'm going to tell him, say, hey, listen, this shit's got to change. There's got to be exclusions in this first-time pardon for violent offenders. And or, or people who cover up that say they covered up for violent offenders. I mean, this is a, this is a death penalty case, man. And if it hadn't been for the family, uh, you know, not one to go through the trial and all that in the appeals process, that he would be on death row. And had he been on death row, then yes, that I don't think they would have let her plead to to seven and a half years, but that is what it is. I don't care. I can't do anything about her, y'all. I could damn sure try to make a change on get. I'm not bringing it to the state reps' attention that before May, 
and, and sit down and say, listen to this shit. Listen to the facts of this case. And you think about how many other people that have participated in crimes like this, even if, if they didn't plead to the actual murder itself, and, and chances are they certainly took part in it. But do something about this. we got to change this. Make an exclusion for... If, okay, I get if you if you broke into a bunch of vehicles and, and you got arrested and you did your time, you get out and you get a first-time pardon. I don't care about that or whatever it may be. Certainly not sex offenders. I, I don't believe sex offenders should get a first-time pardon. I mean, do you? Uh, if you rape somebody you, uh, and you're a first-time offender, after you do your time, you should get a pardon? Fuck that. You know, that's a crime of violence. Rape is a crime of violence. Murder? Are you shitting me? Or accessory to the, uh, after the fact to murder? Fuck that. They need to have an exclusion. They need to change the law in the state of Louisiana or have a paragraph in there that this shit won't fly again. She's done. She's free. And... She can say whatever she wants to now because she's been pardoned by the state of Louisiana under the first-time offenders law. That's bullshit, and I'm going to do something about it. And uh, I think that everybody should call their state rep and be like, mm, we need to change this bullshit. If, you, if it's a crime of violence, I don't think they should get it. I mean, do you? It, it, and crimes of violence, y'all, are, are defined, you know, it's, it's, it's it could be the murder, or it could be rape, it could be, you know, the, the I'm not talking about misdemeanor crimes like a, a simple battery. It could be second-degree aggravated battery, which is attempted murder. I mean, something serious like that, I don't, fuck that, man. I, I think that should be on your record. And, and I don't think you should get a pardon. I'm sorry. Maybe I'm just, maybe I'm dead-ass wrong. But it blew my mind so hard. And I told Karen, I was like, holy shit. And I got to think about this. We got to, man, I just got to think about it. And what I came up with was at three o'clock in the morning on OCD is, is you know what? I'm going to tell this fucking story. And I'm going to tell the story. And, and just like Rapid's Burning, let people get pissed off. And then when I go to the state rep, I can say, listen to all these people. I mean, maybe. We'll do a, a a petition page or something on on who knows how much longer Facebook will be around, but we'll we'll I'll come up with something, y'all, and put it out to you. And if you if you're offended of this, like I am, then you can sign your name to it, and we'll get we'll, we'll get a petition to the state rep and let him hopefully, and I think he will because this, this guy's he's tough on crime, and and hopefully he can he can introduce a bill to the legislature that changes this so it'll never happen again. That's can't do anything about her. Can't do it. And and you know, we we have the best justice system in the world, but it is certainly not perfect. And and um the seven and a half years would have really bothered me. Not really bothered me. I mean, seven and a half years is still a long time, but not I've got people more time for car burglaries than seven and a half years. And she went in for accessory after the fact, second degree murder, young grandmother in possession with intent to distribute cocaine, and you get seven and a half years and then you get out in the same week that you were there when your grandmother was executed because you were a monster, you get a full pardon. I say we change it, people. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my money where my mouth is. Uh, I'm going to come up with something. If y'all want to sign it, hopefully, I, you know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm actually, I'm going to call the state rep and see what does he need. And, and if it's a petition or whatever it may be, or he may not need anything. But uh, get him to introduce a bill for people. I don't think you should be pardoned. If you took a pardon in a crime like this, I don't give a shit if you serve seven years or 70 years. I don't think you should be pardoned, period. So that's it. I'm going to conclude the series, Monsters. Y'all, it's, you know, it's just a horrible case. And, and you put in all the 
the sex and the the violence and the families being destroyed and the victim. Oh my gosh! And and, and I mean, you just couldn't have been a better person. And and for her life to end like this, it's just pure evil, pure monsters. But it just needs to be changed. The law needs to be changed. I mean, I I don't get it. I don't. I don't care. You know, I guess maybe I never heard about it because most people never try to get that, you know, and and I don't know why I never heard about it, but I'm damn sure going to try to do something to change it. But anyway, that's it. I'm concluding the series Monsters. I'm taking off next week. I guess we'll call it in between seasons. I am going to do a patron, release a patron episode next week to the patron vault. So patron members, y'all can be on the lookout for that. If you're not a patron member, you can go look it up, how to do it. I, I wish I, I don't know all the, the stuff I'm supposed to say y'all, but well, I will be releasing a patron episode, bonus episode next week. All right. Patron members who have taken advantage of the yearly discount. Awesome. Love it. I love that y'all love it. You get two months off and when you pay for the year in advance. Oh, so it's patron.com slash real life, real crime. And, and that's for the two months uh, free with the annual me- membership. And as always, justice for Courtney. Shit, man. They get the governor or governor of the state of Louisiana comes out yesterday and puts a basically a moratorium on no trials, no court whatever, no civil or criminal trials until at, at this point, at least March because of COVID. And anyway, justice for Courtney. <sighs> Y'all, it, it's been a year, almost a year since we marched outside the courthouse and the DA wouldn't even acknowledge us, but we know where we're at now. We know where we're much further along. So just keep praying. And I got God will do it in his time and and, um, justice for Courtney as always and prayers for her family. I mean, geez, Louise, this Barbara Blunt's case, please continue to call on your tips. The tip line is 225-395-1302. The case is being worked. Once the arrests are made in Courtney Coco's case, we're going to release the podcast which starts with Miss Barbara Blunt, but it doesn't mean the case isn't being worked. But I'm telling you, COVID is affecting law enforcement as as it is everyone, and it's bad. So, but calling you tips and share it, share Miss Barbara Blunt's story. Tips equal leads, y'all. So follow us on Twitter at Real Life Real Crime. Follow us on Instagram at Overton Woody and at Real Life Real Crime. Follow us on Facebook, Real Life Real Crime Friends, Fans, and Crew, Real Life Real Crime Lanyap page, Real Life Real Crime patron only. <laughs> Y'all, uh, I get friends requests every day for my personal page. I'm maxed out at 5,000. Facebook won't let me have any more. So whenever somebody deletes me for whatever reason, I always add somebody else. But you can communicate with me at woody at realliferealcrime.com. That's my email or hit me up on on, on the uh, regular Facebook pages, and I'll get back to you. And I get requests every single day to work cold cases across the country, Louisiana and across the country, and I'm filing them all away. And hopefully one day we'll have the financial resource to do that. So, um, But I will respond to you. And local businesses check this out i'm about to kick it up a notch my friend jim chapman who has the local leaders podcast is really doing something special and in i was a guest fortunate enough to be a guest on this podcast clint sanchez with black sheep creative who does all our our uh so not social media but well he does he basically designs the pages for but he did our website and his company their veteran owned uh, he's been a guest on there. Y'all can go watch his interview on on Chapman's Local Leaders Podcast. But Jim Chapman is really doing some great stuff, and, and he has all local companies that sponsor him. Now, y'all hear our commercials. We have a lot of national co- um, companies and stuff like that. And and But I'm like Chase Taliban. 
I want to, you know, uh, I believe in supporting local. So if you want to advertise with real life, real crime, you want me to do a commercial for you or whatever it is that you want. And just message my wife at Cindy at real life, real crime.com or hit, hit us up on, on social media or whatever. And look what I'll talk to you about it because I believe in supporting local, like all the local people support me. Of course we have it from all around the world too, but I would love to to represent your company and we're going to start doing that. Okay. And we'll start making that a priority to give it back to the people who have given so much to us. Y'all barring if, if there aren't any arrest in Courtney Coco's case, I have a really out the box, different episode coming on and it's going to has to deal with evidence. And I'm going to tell you some shit that's going to blow your mind on that one, but that'll be, we'll start the new season with that. So, like sh- like us, share us, follow us, subscribe to us. That way, anytime we drop something, you'll get a notification already. The, the Real Life Real Crime app, that's something that's in the works. It's going to take a little bit of time. But finally, and last and not least, my heart, Lopa. Visit Lopa.org. Fill out the form to become an organ donor. Takes a couple minutes, y'all. Give the gift of sight, life, and everything else. It is a nonprofit organization. They are saving lives. COVID, one of the things it does is destroys people's lungs. And um, all these people are getting lung transplants because of organ donors, man. It's just freaking huge. You don't just grow a lung in a lab in in you know, it's just it's just important, and and so if you, please go to Lopa and register to be an organ donor. And when you fill out the form, they have a how, how did you hear about us section. Click R L R C Lifer. That's pretty cool. I knew I hadn't been there myself to because I already was an organ donor, but I knew they added real life, real crime as uh, as that area that you heard about them. But now, uh, evidently, it says click RLRC Lifer. All right, so y'all do that uh, if you're so inclined. But I, they're wonderful people, and they're saving lives, and it's a hell of a good thing. And then I'm Woody Overton, your host of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. And until next time or ever, don't let me catch you down on murder by you peace get ready you're gonna do Real Crime is a true crime podcast brought to you by Woody Overton and executive producer Toby Template.